Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. Michael Preston. What I would really love to know is if a single episode of King of the Hill ever missed. Like, did it? Did it? Did a single episode? Was it ever bad? Because there were so many storylines in that 13 seasons of that show. Like, I'm, I'm convinced it's like the best example of a show that the writing just never got bad. It never got lazy. It was always objectively very good. It's not like, you know, Family Guy and the Simpsons that goes up and down. It was just always, always, always an excellent show. And I, that's just, it's just so wild to think that. But, <clears throat> excuse me, that's it's just one man's opinion. It's the correct opinion, I think. Uh, welcome to the Kook Center Hour. I am Michael Preston. As always, no guests this week. This is the week between... Well, I guess the, the fall camp technically ended last week, and then it's game week next week, so this is like kind of a weird like in-between week or something where you just practice. I don't really know. We're going to talk about the Alliance in a little bit, uh, whatever that was. Uh, we're going to talk about what, uh, you know, like what it means more immediately, but what does it really mean uh, in the future. We're also going to do our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything, uh, as always. We do need, I just extremely briefly, to talk about Nick Rolovich. And we are going to talk about camp. We're going to talk about quarterbacks being down to two here in a second. And it's the two we thought it would be probably. But I I have said on social media, and maybe I have not said so here, but the frustrating thing for me, the most frustrating thing for me in all of this is that we were always going to get to right here. We were always going to be in the position where Nick Rolovich, if he likes his paycheck and he likes his job, is not going to have a choice. Because as far as I could find, based on data from the CDC and the NIH, and this is just for kids, because generally kids are the only ones seeking vaccine exemptions, is that only about 2% of kids receive non-medical vaccine exemptions right so there's there's not a lot of wiggle room unless you really do truly have excuse me a medical reason to not take a vaccine and so far as we can tell nick rolovich doesn't he's going to have a very hard time walking back that statement of it's a reason that will remain personal because i'm convinced to this day that that simply if it really and truly was a medical problem or a religious exemption if it's a medical problem, I've consulted with my physician and the team doctors. We agree that it is not in my best interest medically to receive the vaccine. The reasons for that will remain private. I'm not interested in asking for the medical reason. I'm not I'm not interested if he has a verifiable religious exemption. And again, those are extremely narrow, very narrowly. And they are defined by the state. So you can't just, you know, go get baptized or whatever And then say, well, my religion says I can't do it. No, 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 that's not how that works. But my frustration is we were always going to come to this moment right here where the FDA gives full approval to the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and the school can now mandate it as a condition of employment. Forget what the governor did last week. The school can say now, this is a condition of your employment and if you do not follow it, 
you can be fired for cause. Because the school has already said they're going to remove the personal exemption reason, like the I have personal reasons, exemption from the vaccine requirement. They're going to remove it after that approval. So what does, what do we go, where do we go from here? The answer is nowhere. It's, it's nowhere. This is where we were always going to be. And there was just no getting away from it. So we could have avoided everything else that has happened in the last month. All of it could have been avoided. All of it. Because eventually, Nick Rolovich was going to have no choice. And at, at this point, if he is still not getting it, then he does have an exemption, which we should have just been told about in the first place. Because again, if it's a medical or religious reason, my questions stop right there. And I, I can't speak for everybody, but I don't care what the medical reason is. I don't care what the religious reason is, because if it's been approved by the school in the state then it's legally valid. And I might have an objection to him not getting it for religious reasons or whatever else, but it doesn't matter. It's legally valid. But we were going to get to right here. And the real-world effects in the meantime of game forfeits and everything else are still there. But hopefully that's not a discussion we ever need to have. So there's my mini rant on it. You've taken your medicine... Now we can get to the fun stuff. Now we can get to the good stuff. Because that's... <clears throat> excuse me. I am very phlegmy tonight. <laughs> See, this is what I get. This is... I tried to get this in the can on Monday. I thought to myself, my wife has a long drive home with the baby from daycare. I'm done working. Hey, I can get this done so I can spend more time with the family. And then the coaching staff has to go and <laughs> narrow the quarterback competition down to two. Nick Rolovich and his offensive coaches have to go and say, oh, by the way, we've got it down to Jarek Guarantano and we've got it down to Jaden Delora. Which pretty much means... Jaden Delora is going to be the starting quarterback. I think we all know that, don't we? Like, I, I, I would genuinely be surprised at this point if Brian Smith and Nick Rolovich look at that and go, yeah, let's make, and Craig Stutzman, if all three of them look at that and go, yeah, let's go with Guarantano. Because if Jaden Delora is still in your top two after missing spring ball, after missing some fall practices for reasons that were not made clear by Nick Rolovich, after sitting, I think including on his birthday, happy birthday to you, <laughs> Jane, you get to not participate in practice. Uh, we got cryptic quarterback tweets. Those are always like amongst my favorite. Those are, those are really just the best. But I, I, I just don't see another way that I mean, and if it is, Jarek Guarantano must have done something that is incredible. Like, he must have, in the in the next week or so, he must have gone above and beyond what we thought possible um, as of right now. And I, I just don't think that if you're going to narrow it down to those two guys, that it's anybody but the sophomore, that it's anybody but the guy who you want to have more experience because you want him to get better and better and better and better in this system. And there are going to be rough patches. I'm sure Guarantano will play 
at times this year. He will be in games at times this year because, you know, if, if it's... And I, I, I don't count 2020 really as anything. I don't count it as because the playbook wasn't open and there was really just kind of like a weird semblance of fall camp and they kind of practiced and they had no spring ball and whatever else. So really this is Nick Rolovich and his staff's first full year of, you know, spring ball and fall camp and now really opening up the playbook. So I, I don't want to count last year against anybody. So this is what we're going to call really, you know, their first full year. And Jaden Delora needs to have that time. If you want him to be the guy going forward, he probably needs to be the guy this year. And I think it, it this does a couple of things for me. I think it speaks to at least the quality the coaches see in Jaden Delora that they are confident in him to run this offense, but also the the lack of quality otherwise, because Guarantano was here for the spring. Jaden Delora was suspended. He didn't take a single snap in spring ball because he had gotten arrested for a DUI, a charge he was found not guilty of this summer, but he was still sitting out spring practice at the direction of his coach. He did not participate at all. So his probable backup did Cameron Cooper, who, by the way, I, I, I admire the kid for sticking around. I do not blame him whatsoever at this point. If he chooses to walk, I do not, I do not blame him at all. Like, and I, you know, the quarterback is kind of a unique position in, in such that there can only be one of them on the field at a time. And really for an entire game, there's only one on the field. So, you know, you kind of like, if you're not getting your shot, you're not getting your shot. You want to play, you want to go somewhere else. I wouldn't blame him one bit. I admire him for sticking around. Um, but I, if Cameron Cooper sees this and takes off for somewhere, I wish him very, very well. Um, but it really seemed like it was just those three guys in competition until now. And now it's just Guarantano and it's just Jaden Delora. But I still think it just, to me, if it's going to be between those two, it must be Jaden Delora. Because of what he brings you with his arm, you saw the power he has with his arm last year a little bit. And again, you know, I don't want to take, you know, like individual results in terms of like games and stats, but you saw what he could do with his legs. You saw what he could do with his arm. And he made some freshman mistakes, as you're going to expect any freshman to do, because that's they are freshmen. That is how that goes. But I I think that he is the guy with the leg up because Guarantano is a known commodity. He's a known commodity to uh, Tennessee fans who, uh, no matter what happens, whether he starts in the more likely event that he does not, they are going to be remarkably insufferable on social media. Just incredibly insufferable. I have never seen a fan base give more of a shoot. I almost said it. I didn't. We keep this podcast clean. I don't know why we do, but I'm still, this is years in radio, just wearing on me to not cuss with a microphone. But I, it, it is, why do you care about a kid who was gone? Why do you care so very much about a young man who, yeah, he was not the best player for your program, but can, like he transferred to Wazoo and just the vitriol towards this kid, like, oh, good luck, Cougs. Good God, why do you care? Why do you care so much? 
about this kid. I can guarantee you, if he gets the starting job, it is just going to be flooded with Tennessee fans. Just, oh, I just, I don't even want to think about how bad it's going to be. That's not a reason to not give him the job if he earns it. I'm just saying that it will be very bad. So I, I think you're probably looking at Jaden Delora being the starter. I still think. Guarantano is going to get some touches. I hope this is not a Jeff Tool, Connor Halliday situation like we saw in Mike Leach's first season, where his preferences for who should play seemingly changed with the wind. I don't really know what led Mike Leach to decide what to do on a you know on a given series with his quarterbacks, but it'll be interesting to see. What happens, I think inevitably you will see both get some playing time, but my expectation will be Jane Delore is going to be the starter and he's going to get the bulk of the playing time. We'll know for sure on Monday evening when the uh, when the first depth chart comes out. We It's depth chart season again, y'all. It's depth chart season. I'm so excited for that. Um, but I, my expectation would be that Nick Rolovich will say earlier in the day, because I believe their practice schedules have them in the morning, so he'll meet with the media before the depth chart comes out on Monday with the game notes. So we'll probably find out on Monday, because they're going to have to say on Monday morning, and as far as I know, Nick Rolovich is not Mike Leach, in that even though Gardner Minshew <laughs> finished, I think, fourth or fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting, even on for the Alamo Bowl, it still said Gardner Minshew or Anthony Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Still, one of my favorite things of this day is that it said or after a Heisman Trophy nominee. <laughs> it said or, which is just, it just shows you how much he, he doesn't, he didn't care about the depth chart. But we'll find out if Nick Rolovich has the same level uh, of caring about the depth chart um, that Mike Leach did. There are other interesting uh, position battles to watch. CJ Moore... And Donovan Ollie, who gets to start there, um, I, I don't know uh, that you're going to find out again until Monday, probably. Um, there is another scrimmage here um, coming up over the weekend, and I, I don't love being in a position where we need to use the scrimmage to determine who will be starting. I'm sure it's not that simple. I hope it's not that simple. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, if it is, you're probably going to find out a lot uh, when they get finished with that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the next week. I don't think you're going to have anything settled again until early next. Um, but all I know is we are on year four in a row of not knowing who the quarterback is. And this is a ride I would very much like to get off of. I'm sick of being on this ride. And it has nothing to do with the coaches or players at all. I want to clarify that right from the get-go. This is not a knock on them. I just <laughs> I would just love, please God, a multi-year starter. That is all. I just want more than I want to go into next fall knowing Jaden Delora. That's the guy. Or it, it could have been Cameron Cooper, I suppose it won't be anymore, but Cameron Cooper, that's the guy. Whatever. And we are just <laughs> that's all I want. Somebody play well enough next year so I know exactly who the starter's going to be. I mean, I mean, look, this is fun to talk about. It's fun to discuss. But I, 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 I would feel much better about life when it comes to Wazoo football if I just knew who the starter was. Now, granted, the last two times really we didn't know led to, again, a fifth-place Heisman Trophy finisher and 
the guy who had the most prolific passing game in Washington State history and one of the most prolific passing years in Washington. In fact, I think in a lot of ways the most prolific passing year in Washington State history. Nobody's going to remember, though, because the poor guy played for 6-16. Six and 16. That's the roughest part to me. Anthony Gordon deserved a lot better than 6-7, six and well, six and seven, really, because they lost in the Cheez-It Bowl. Which, by the way, incidentally, I'm on a, I'm riffing now, but uh, when they previewed the, those seats in the Cheez-It box in the corner of that end zone... I, I like the drawings were huge. They were up to like the top of the center field wall at um <clears throat> at Chase Field in Phoenix. And then the the, the game got there and it's just this little like ten foot high thing. It just looked so pathetic. It was it was definitely like on a dating profile if some guy told you he was six foot two, two twenty and he showed up just a skinny string bean and uh, and couldn't lift his fork up off the table. Which way do you want to swipe? I don't know. I don't do Tinder. I don't. I don't know if swipe left or right is the bad one. It was like the bad one with a cheese it box. Does that make sense? It doesn't make a lick of sense. We're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> that really petered out, didn't it? That really petered out towards the end there. We could call the whole thing petering out, but really towards the end there, it got bad. We'll talk about the alliance, um, which is to say. Right now, there's not a ton to talk about because we have looked into eyes and shaken hands and there are three gentlemen and no paperwork is signed and all this other stuff. I really think they just wanted to have a Zoom call. Talk about that next. Please buy whatever products you heard in that commercial to help me pay for my Roth IRA. Back here on the Kook Center Hour, um... Something that was kind of hinted at last week and a couple of weeks ago by the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten uh, commissioners was um, was <laughs> something of, you know, intimated like a football scheduling alliance or just the conferences aligning and whatever else. And so Tuesday we got to hear about formally... Um, from all of them, uh, the alliance, the alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. And I, I think, you know, we all, you and I and everybody all know that what this really is, is a response to the SEC poaching Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12 and what is probably going to be the death knell for the Big 12, unless they can move quick and they manage to snag Boise State and BYU manages to be okay with joining a conference again. Um, this was all something to try to stave off their member institutions getting raided, probably and most likely um, by one another, frankly. In fact, the Big 10 had done some raiding of the ACC in Maryland. They had raided, where was Rutgers at the time, the Big East, if I remember right. Um, and the ACC has also consequently raided other conferences for their teams. So, And the Big 12 has, or the Pac-12 has done that. So it's not as if this is, you know, the, this is just like everybody's circling the wagons. These are still three burglars who are choosing to protect all the stuff they have burgled, in a way. Not all the stuff, but like some of the stuff. Um and, you know, it, it, it kind of got teased in the reporting, and, and this isn't necessarily the conference's fault, but clearly these reporters are getting their information from somewhere, and it's probably the conference commissioners or somebody very high up in the conferences. 
is that a lot of this is going to be a strategic, you know, partnership for like scheduling of sports. But what everybody's obviously really most interested in is the strategic scheduling of football, because Lord knows I would love to see Florida State make a trip to Pullman. And not just from a seeing that standpoint, but somebody forcing Florida State fans to fly to Pullman or making Dabo go to Pullman. That would be even funnier. Jim Harbaugh back in Pullman. Never thought he'd have to go back, but now he is back. Um, and, and really what got announced today or Tuesday, I'm talking about this on Tuesday, um, was nothing. Really, it was Jim Sweeney and Kevin Warren and George Klyavkov um, talking to reporters about an alliance. And I think I heard the phrase stare at each other in the eyes more than once, which is a little romance novel and not really, um, you know, um, sportsy. <laughs> it was, or Jim Phillips, not Jim Sweeney, excuse me, the ACC commissioner. Um, it, it was. <clears throat> excuse me, a little, a little odd. And I, I think the, the most troubling thing was, you know, when you call a press conference like this, <clears throat> excuse me, when you call a press conference like this, you generally are going to want to have answers for a lot of questions. You're going to want to provide a lot of clarity on things. And what we got was nothing. What we got was an announcement of a strategic partnership between these conferences. Um, you know, they're going to be competitors, but they're going to collaborate on student-athlete mental and physical health and academic experience and support diversity and inclusion and gender equity and the future structure of the NCAA, postseason championships and future formats. And that's all very well and good. That's all wonderful. But the issue is, is when you admit to everybody that you don't actually have anything written down. You don't actually have a written agreement with anybody between anyone involved in this situation to be committed on paper to anything. So all this really is, was all three commissioners going to their chancellors and CEOs and presidents and saying, hey, how does this sound? Does this sound good? Does this sound scary enough to spit at Greg Sankey and the SEC? Does this sound frightening enough that we're going to be committed to this? Because it, it didn't sound that way at all. It sounded like three men who had a semblance of a good idea, but no actual honest-to-God commitment to doing anything. Now, look, don't get me wrong. If they follow through on this, it will be great. And, and I don't just mean from a football standpoint. We're going to get to another thing they talked about for football in a second. But I mean from a basketball scheduling standpoint, from an Olympic sports scheduling standpoint, it would be very cool. It would be very, very cool to be able to see that. There would be a lot of great marquee matchups. You have the ACC Big Ten Challenge in basketball already. You could do something again with the Pac-12. One of my favorite things, Craig brought this up in our Slack chat, was seeing Kansas State come out to Pullman as part of the Pac-12 Big 12 Challenge, or whatever they called it back then. I think didn't Baylor came to Pullman too, I think, once. So th that can create a lot of really cool stuff, like Wazoo going to Ann Arbor to play Michigan in basketball. That would be a ton of fun. And if you could you know, bring the women's team with and do a doubleheader, there's lots of really cool strategic things you could do to showcase your programs. But really what this alliance is about, and it is the alliance, 
what it's really about is to prevent each other from poaching each other's teams. It's and but let's even be more real. It's to keep the Big Ten from snagging teams from the Pac-12 and the ACC. That's really what it's more about. Because if any of those three conferences involved, the one more likely to go SEC on everybody is the Big Ten. That's that's really the more realistic option. Okay, so, but but everybody was interested in football scheduling. That is what is truly the driver of the interest in this, whether that's good or not. I don't know that it necessarily is, but that's how it is, is that that is what everybody is most interested in. And we got nothing other than, oh, well, we already have like 60 games scheduled between teams in our conferences. So for now, that sounds great. Well, (laughs) I mean, okay, but we're not interested in games already on the schedule. I'm interested in making I'm interested in making Dabo come to Pullman. I'm interested in Wazoo going to Miami. I'm interested in Oregon State playing Syracuse and both of them wearing orange jerseys. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in that. And the the clarification we got on that was, well, we haven't really thought about it yet other than everybody's going to honor their existing non-conference contracts. What? <laughs> Like, to really make this work, to really and truly make a partnership like this work, the Big Ten and Pac-12 are going to have to drop, probably, to eight conference games, and they're going to have to drop the divisions. Both of those fine things that we've talked about before, how dropping divisions for the Pac-12 is probably a good idea. The conference game thing has some financial implications, but if you have this partnership that you can work out, like, maybe say some financial details about stuff before you announce this, it doesn't really matter too much. But they didn't even have that. Warren and Klyavkov couldn't even say, yeah, we're going to drop to eight conference games. We've discussed it with our conference members, and as soon as our contract allows, we're going to drop to eight conference games. They couldn't even say that. And the other problem is that if you're going to honor current out-of-conference contracts, that's all well and good. But right now, even just Washington State, little old Washington State, has openings in three years of the next 11 for another team in the FBS because Lord knows Washington State is not interested in taking FCS teams off their schedule. Frankly, nobody really is because they want those wins. And Wazoo, chief among the ones who like it the most, okay, they are not interested in taking any FCS team off their schedule. So uh, unless you go to eight conference games... They've, they've literally got an opening in three of the next 11 years. They, they don't have really room other than to play one-offs. And you could do that, again, assuming there's some sort of financial agreement in place, assuming there's something written down. But there was nothing written down. It was just a lot of blovating and a lot of when reporters got called on it was Kevin Warren saying, well, thank you for being on the call. I really appreciate it so much. What even is that? Don't tell me if I'm don't tell me that. I don't care I don't care that you like that I'm on the call. Please don't say that. Not interested. What 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 is that? I don't get that. That's that but that's that's a me thing. That's a me thing. Look, I I think I think if this all gets followed through on, that's wonderful. Right? That that is really and truly wonderful because what Texas and Oklahoma bolting for the 
SEC represented really was at least the first domino in the death of college athletics kind of as we knew it. Because because you're worried about super conferences being formed and then it kind of just becomes pointless at some point to have conferences and so all the really best and biggest schools kind of go off and go do their own big thing and everybody else kind of has to do whatever. And I mean I, I mean I know I know that doesn't sound like I've put a lot of thought into it but really and truly it's it's such a it's such a like I don't want to say scary but it's so unknown. But what I do know is that it largely and probably meant college athletics ceases to exist as we know it now. And this is these conferences trying to coalesce around, you know, we do not want that to happen. At least not right now. We don't want that to happen. So they're going to have to figure something out when it comes to the football scheduling. I think if I, if I want to be genuinely excited about something right off the bat, it is the basketball and Olympic sports scheduling. That is genuinely cool. If they can do that, that is really cool. Like, you know, again, like Ohio State coming to visit uh, Wazoo for soccer or, um, you know, like uh, Nebraska for um, for volleyball. Nebraska's got a really good volleyball team all the time. So stuff like that, and, you know, like the basketball scheduling we talked about earlier, that, but that can also have a more immediate effect. That can happen immediately because basketball, volleyball, baseball, whatever else, doesn't schedule out years and years and years in advance, except in very rare circumstances. But you're not talking, you know, about a majority of a non-conference schedule done, you know, even really before, about six months before the season starts. There's still coaches emailing and calling, and there's still all that stuff going on. There's still a ton going on when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, so it, it, that, that is very cool. But really what we're all most interested in is football. And we didn't really get an answer to that today. And it kind of felt like maybe you should have waited a few weeks until you'd hammered out some details to really announce this. Maybe, you know, get a spot on college game day, even though you're probably sure the SEC and ESPN are working together to get all this to happen. Hell, do it on, you know, Fox's show. Like, whatever. But wait a few weeks for it to be a more substantive conversation and a more substantive media release and press conference, whatever else. Because today, all it really was was, well, we've shaken hands, and this sounds great. Okay, but it it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it doesn't mean anything until we see some action on it, but it it also doesn't mean anything that nothing was written down and signed. Like, I, I, I get that handshake agreements are wonderful and whatever else, but especially for a school like Wazoo, it doesn't mean anything until there is ink on paper in the form of a signature. It just doesn't mean anything. By the way, if you're the Big 12... This cannot make you feel good. I think Jim Phillips said like, oh, well, we we need the Big 12 to be strong. (laughs) Whatever, man. Pac-12 says they're going to figure out by the end of the week if they're going to expand or not, so I can already tell you the answer is no. Because, again, as we've discussed before, there's not really a good expansion candidate anywhere in what you would tr- call the traditional geographic footprint, including a lot of those Big 12 teams. The only one that even kind of, sort of, really fits is Kansas. Maybe? Probably not Texas Tech. Houston's not in the Big 12, so we won't talk about them. 
so you're not really left with a lot kind of to pick over there, so to speak. So the Big 12 is almost certainly going to have to do something to expand, and that probably means BYU and Boise State. But I can tell you the Pac-12 is definitely not interested in Boise State. They're not interested in UNLV, at least that I know of. Not like I have inside sources here. San Diego State would almost certainly be blocked by the four California schools there, and I'm interested in letting else, letting anybody else from the state of California in. Not interested in that. So I don't really know who it would be. But if you're the Big 12, you got to do something, man, because the SEC just rated your two best teams, and it looks like the other four, the other three big conferences aren't terribly interested in, in working with you. Thunderhead of the Week. Ask Michael anything. With a bit of a twist here, coming up after the fight song. Thunderhead of the week time. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I was at a bachelor party for a good friend of mine um, in the White Salmon Bingen area. We stayed in the little town of Bingen. Uh, if you've never heard of it, it was right across the river from Hood River on the Washington side of the Columbia. Uh, and for his bachelor party, he really desperately wanted to go whitewater rafting, which is not something I am uh, very into. Uh, in fact, my wife's been trying to get me to do it for years, and when she heard I was doing it for my friend, uh, she was very surprised, but I then informed her that it was not her bachelor party, and it was not, you know, like the one thing you wanted to go do, so I was very happy to make this concession. Um, the Dunderhead of the Week goes to yours truly, because the one piece of advice I got before going and rafting was do not be hungover the morning you do it. And I about followed that advice as poorly as you could. Now, granted, did everything I could to fight it in the morning. I actually did a pretty excellent job. But this particular rafting trip has the highest commercially allowable trip off a waterfall in North America. At the time, I think um, it was about 13 feet. But our guide said it could be about 16 to 17 feet. So you, you just go, you know, off the waterfall, down, um, in your raft. And uh, right as we got to the part before the waterfall, my hangover really started to kick in. And of course, because I'm a little nervous about, you know, going over a waterfall in a raft, um, you start to get a little nauseous. And our guide, who was very nice, um, I really liked him, um, he said to all, of, all the guys in the boat, um, we are going to be the first one to go over this. We've been the first people to do everything all day, but we, and we are going to be the first ones to go over this as soon as they give me the go-ahead, because our safety monitor's down there. And I sat in that boat thinking, <laughs> like, right, like, I was talking myself in because they stop the raft and they give you an opportunity to chicken out. And just as I was about to be brave enough to chicken out, they got the signal and he pushed us away from the bank and we went. And it was five bigger guys in the raft and we completely submerged the thing 
under the water, at the bottom of the waterfall. Nobody fell out. It was all good. Uh, but yeah, that is not a particularly pleasant experience when you've had a, a, a few too many um, old fashions the night before. So uh, the dunderhead of the week is me uh, for not hydrating properly at night. Let's put it that way. And, and a little bit more substantial dinner um, than the one I had. Uh, which, although it was barbecue, pulled pork, and cornbread, probably should have included a vegetable in there. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe it would have helped. I don't know, though. Alright, Ask Michael Anything. We'll change to Ask Michael Anything, though, this week. Wanted to change up Ask Michael Anything, because it is the first day of school for so many folks. So we did solicited some advice on Twitter. Um, first week of school, what's the best piece of advice you have for freshmen, or really sophomores? This is their first time in class, too. Uh, at Devin Lewis 89, Devin Lewis, attend as many football, basketball, soccer, and volleyball games as you can because it will help you find out what it means to be a coog. Also, roto trays make the best sleds. Rotunda, that would be, I think, south side now? But that's solid advice. The ones at north side are pretty good, too. I went down that hill at Scott Coleman a few times and definitely we almost hit a car a lot. At Marcus... Alakimus, I'm so butchering that name, Marcus. Fire Nick Karunovich. Uh, the hardest part about college is showing up. The temptation to skip class is very real. Also take notes on a pen and paper and not your laptop. Hard agree on temptation to skip class is very real. And the, really the hardest part is getting there because like, you're not forced to anymore. I took notes on a laptop and I did okay. But I know for a lot of people, including my wife, um, the pen and paper and then maybe recopying your notes, always a good call. That's a very, very good idea. Uh, at Nick Beatty 72 Nick Beatty, get involved and make a difference. I like that. Get in as many clubs as you can, uh, you know, kind of like quote-unquote after-school things. It's a really quick and easy way to make friends, too, but it also just like it just gives you something to do, make, give you a little purpose. I, I really like that. At MPB, the three, Marcus Paul Burns, study hard, and then show up in Beasley this winter. Hard agree there. Very hard agree. Uh, at Jimmy the Coog, Jimmy Morgan, friends that study and party together, graduate together, and stay together. Fun accountability. Second secret degree everyone earns at WSU, which is a major work-life balance. Know that this second degree is pass or fail. Many don't earn it. Enjoy the journey of earning it, acknowledging the dangers behind it as well. I can't emphasize that enough. Work-life balance. And in this case, a study-life balance. You gotta have it. Can't just always be studying. I know it's hard to hear, but... That's how I like it's just it's the best advice I can get. Well, maybe not the best advice I can give, but it's a dang good piece of advice. At J.A. Roberts, 1501, Jess Roberts. If you're staying in the dorms, don't be afraid to have an open door policy. It's how I became friends with a lot of my dorm mates. That and my bottomless Coca-Cola supply. Jess, are we sure it was only Coca-Cola? Are we positive it was only Coca-Cola? It was not in my dorm room. <laughs> it was not in my dorm room. And that was when I was a little more buttoned up in goody two-shoes. And even then, it was not just Coca-Cola in mine. That is a good policy, though. The open door, like, even though people just generally be walking by, I, I don't know. It's just like, if you're there, and you're not, like, really intensely steady, you're just playing video games, throw the door open. Like, it just kind of, like, contributes to this great atmosphere on your dorm floor of, like, togetherness in a way. Because you can, like, hear hollering from down the hall of a video game, or you can hear music or whatever else. So if it's... You know, if it's like 3 in the afternoon you're playing a video game, keep the door open. Don't don't shut the door. You're closing people out. Leave it open. Be welcoming. Do all that other good jazz. We have a football game to talk about for the first time in nine months next week. We will preview the Utah State Aggies next week. I get to preview an opponent and talk about it, and hopefully we have a starting quarterback by then. We'll talk to you next week in the Cook Center Hour.